Um, how should brothers and sisters treat each other? That's a rhetorical question. I don't want answers. Um, how should brothers and sisters treat one another? Um, let's think of some great examples of brothers and sisters. Here's some sisters. Elsa and Anna are great sisters. Um, in, in Frozen 2, put your hand up if you've seen Frozen 2. Put your hand up if you've not seen Frozen 2. You know what you need to do this afternoon. Go and see Frozen 2. Brilliant. Um, Elsa and Anna, uh, they go into the woods, and in the woods there's a great big fire. Um, and Anna gets, Anna the, uh, no, Elsa, the older sister, gets cross with Anna, to, and she says to her, don't follow me into the fire. And this is what Anna says in response to that. She says, if you don't want me to run into the fire, then you don't run into the fire. It's brilliant, isn't it? That, that's the heartbeat of their relationship. Um, Anna will go wherever her sister goes because she's her sister. It's a beautiful sisterly relationship. Um, here's another example, the best film ever, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Put your hand up if you've seen this. No, maybe if you're of a certain age, you probably shouldn't do. A brilliant film, wonderful. And when it looks like everything is over, the sheriff and his mercenaries have attacked the outlaws' camp. It's all been destroyed. Um, just a few have been uh, survived. Um, and Will Scarlet comes to Robin and reveals that they are brothers. I've given it all away. Uh, and Robin says, I have a brother. I have a brother. It's brilliant. Wonderful. And they promise they will fight side by side, even to the end. And the whole film turns at that point. Um, it changes everything as they go and against the odds win to fight the day. Oh, fight to win the day. Brothers and sisters should have a very special bond. And our passage this morning is about church. Now, how should we think about church? Not just any old church, but our church. How should we think about our church? Because what we're going to see is that if a church is not a loving family, then it's not a church. If a church is not a loving family, it's not a church. A church can be all kinds of things. The teaching can be brilliant, the music can be excellent, the building can be grand. But if it's not a loving family, it's not a church. And so we're going to see four lessons in love. Here's the first one. We should love like family. John writes this letter to groups of Christians and he tells us the reason why he writes in chapter 5, verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. There were all kinds of lies going around their community. And John wants them to know that they have the real deal. That's what he's writing about. So he says in chapter 3, verse 10, just before our passage, this is how we know. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now John's told how all people, all humanity, are divided into two families. It's been like that right since the beginning. One of those families have believed the lies of the snake. You remember the snake that slithered into the Garden of Eden? Well, this family do not trust God, and they don't accept the message about Jesus. But the other family, they do trust God and they do accept the message about Jesus. They are the children of God. And John says one of the ways you can spot, you can spot that family, the children of God, is that they love each other like brothers and sisters should. So in our chapter, in our passage, verse 11, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. That's the first lesson. Christians, children of God, we are brothers and sisters, so we should love one another. Not much of a lesson, though, is it? Now, I guess we kind of know that. No one's going to argue too much that we should love other people. 
What does it mean though? Well, lesson number two. We should not love like Cain. That's what John says in verse 12. Do not be like Cain. Do you know about Cain? Well, Adam and Eve, they had two sons. Cain and Abel. There they go. Not sure they look like that. Um, But there they are. And Cain grew crops and Abel was a shepherd. Uh, Two sons. Both these brothers worshipped God. They made offerings to God. Cain offered some of his crops. Abel offered some of his flock. And God accepted what Abel did, but not what Cain did. Oh, and Cain was so angry about this. He was so upset, so bitter and hard. And God came to him and said, he said, I want to warn you, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It wants to take hold of you, and you must turn from your sin. But Cain wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen to what God said, and he invited his brother to come and to meet him in the field. And then he struck him dead. And God came to Cain and he said, it's not funny, it's tragic, Alyssa, really tragic. It's struck, struck. God, God came to Cain and he said, where is your brother? And do you know what Cain said? He said, am I my brother's keeper? God says, I know what you've done. I know what you've done. And John writes about that. He says, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And then John says, why did he murder him? Got to think about it. Now think about what was going on with Cain. Why did he do it? You see, when, when, when Cain and Abel presented their offerings to God, the, they, they kind of looked identical, really. They were worshippers standing side by side. They just maybe like two people in church standing next to each other. Two people in church singing their hearts out. At least that's what it looks like. Now the outward act is identical, but God sees the heart. He saw Cain's heart. And what was there in Cain's heart when he was worshipping showed its true colours when he murdered his brother in the field. John says, do not be like Cain. You know, in our church here at Kingfisher, we can, we, we can have the appearance of doing everything right, can't we? On the outside, it can look great. God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. He sees our heart as we come to worship this morning. He sees our true attitude to him and to one another. Now, what happened with Cain? See, it all really came out for Cain when he was confronted with his sin. That's when his true colors were revealed. He didn't repent because he didn't believe what God said about his sin. Instead, he turned on the one who had done what was right. And what made it so bad, so especially bad, was that it was his brother He said, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are, Cain. You are your brother's keeper because he's your brother. You've got a special responsibility to care for him and to protect him and to guard him. The the word keeper back in Genesis, it's got all kinds of connotations of protecting against spiritual deception. Cain, you had to do that because he's your brother. But now his blood cries out from the ground. John says, do not be like Cain. Then then he applies it more generally in verses 13 to 15. He says, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Cain represents the world against God and against God's children. He belonged to the evil one. He right in the beginning, God said, death will follow sin. And the evil one said, no, it won't. And Adam and Eve fell when they trusted the snake. And in them, all of humanity passed over from life into death. 
Now, everyone really was born belonging to the evil one like Cain. But then when somebody rejects that, rejects the lie and turns to God, they cross back from death to life. That's what John writes about, verse 14. We know that that's happened to us. We know that we've passed from death to life. How do we know it's happened? You see what he says? Because we love each other. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now, of course, a murderer might repent of their sin and receive forgiveness and then pass from death to life. But John's point is that our attitude to one another reveals whether we are in death or whether we are in life, whether we are children of God or whether we are not. John says, do not be like Cain. Am I my brother's keeper, was what he said. That was his attitude. I wonder what our attitude to one another is. Now, we are to love like family because we are family. And that means that we are our brothers and our sisters' keepers. We are responsible to care for one another because we are a family. Now, I wonder if God came to us, us at Kingfisher, and he said, where is such and such a person? Would our first instinct be, am I their keeper? How should I know where they are? Or, or maybe, if we're a little bit more honest, would we say, why should I care? <laughs> Let me get on with my worship. No. No, do not be like Cain. Do not be like Cain. We are to love one another. Two lessons. We're to love one another. We're, to not, we're not to be like Cain. Now, before we think about the next two lessons, we're just going to take a moment to sing and to remember that we need to be forgiven. Forgiven for our attitude to one another. And that forgiveness is wonderfully, wonderfully available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to come back to this passage in 1 John chapter 3. A passage about church. And about our church. A passage telling us that if our church is not a loving family, then it's just not a church. And we're not a club. We're a family. And so we must love one another. Four lessons about love. First one, we should love like a family. Second one, we should not love like Cain. Okay, what next? Uh, I want us to do something this morning. Um, I wonder if you could stand up together. Um, what, what, what I'd like us to do, this is going to be uncomfortable for some of us, me most of all, um, is I'd like us to do the floss. Um, but I, I have a bit of a problem. Um, I don't actually know how to do the floss. Um, do, does anybody here know how to do the floss? And, and, and also he's willing to come to the front. Micah, you look pretty cute. Come on, Micah, up you come. So, Micah, first of all, can you just give us a little demonstration of what the floss is? So everyone can see. Right. That is what we're going to try and do, okay? Can, can you just slow it down a little bit? So, so we put our hands like this. Put our hands like that, right? Yeah. Oh, golly, that's confusing. So, so slowly, slow, really slowly. I'm um, Get, get you on the camera if you come and stand. In fact, if, if we swap places, there you go. If you, you, you want to watch Micah and not me. Right, so, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I've done that. And then I go like, like that. So that, and then I come back, and then I switch, like that. So have it like that. And then I go like that. Right, have we got it? Uh, no. <laughs> you can, can rust it. No. 
Anyone? Look at that. That's brilliant. Look at that. Excellent. Show us it again, Micah. Do it nice and quick. Brilliant. So after three, everyone together. One, two, three. <laughs> I wish I had a camera on you all. Brilliant. Super. Thanks, Mikey. You can go and sit down. That was great. You can all sit down now. Um, excellent. That went about as badly as I hoped it would. Um, I can't do the floss. Micah can. If you want to do the floss, don't look at me. Look at someone who can do it. And if you want to get it right, watch an expert. Here we go. Look. If loving one another is so important, which it is, it is so important, we can't just make it up for ourselves. Uh, it's, so, it's so important. We can't just assume that we know what it is. We need an expert to show us. If we want to love right, who do we watch? Jesus. Jesus that's right. Our third lesson, we should love like Christ. Look at verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There it is. Uh, do, do you know what happens if you try to switch a lamp on when no power is connected to it? I'll show you. Can you watch the screen? You ready? There you go. Absolutely nothing, doesn't it? Absolutely nothing at all. Do you know what happens when you tell people to love each other and they're not plug, plugged into a power supply? Nothing. No, we can't love right without the right power. Verse 16, this is the power. This is the love that feeds our love. This is what John writes about. He says in verse 10, children of God love one another. Verse 11, so we should love one another. Verse 16, this is love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's God's love. Oh, God's love is that he sent his only son into the world to die for our sins. So that all who would believe on him will have eternal life. This is the, the great love that the Father has lavished on us. That he sent his son and Jesus Christ came and he willingly gave his life into the horrors of Calvary so that we might be freed from our sin. So that we might be made new, so that we might be children of God. And when we receive that love from him, we pass from death into life. We pass from children of the devil into children of God. We pass from dead in sin to alive in Christ. We pass from a, a lost eternity to forever in the joy of fellowship with our Heavenly Father. That's the love of God, shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is love. Have you got it? Have you received this love? Now, you might have heard about it loads of times, but have you received it? Now, have, you, have you ever come to that point where you say to God, I'm, I'm sorry for my sin, and, and I need your forgiveness, and, and I want to be your child? And, and I trust that what Jesus Christ did, he did for me to pay for my sins. And God, I want to be your child. Have you ever said that? Have you ever told, spoken to God like that? And perhaps this is a day when you need to pray like that. And God will never, ever turn you away if you come to him trusting in the Lord Jesus. Never. This great love of God in the work of Christ. This is the power supply for us to love one another. Do you see the question that John asks in verse 17? It says, if we're not loving like Christ, how can the love of God be in that person? Do you see the sense here, the, 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 the kind of power there? John's saying if there isn't this evidence of loving others, we must question the presence of God's love in us. Why? Because that's where the love comes from. 
Christ's love is the engine, it's the power supply for us to love one another. We cannot love like this without being loved like this, without receiving it from him. If Christ didn't lay down his life for us, there'd be no power for us to lay down our lives for one another. That's what John says in verse 16, isn't it? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? This is the lesson, isn't it? We should love like Christ. And so John says, if we're going to love like Christ, let's think about how Christ has loved us. And John says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, well, how did, how did Christ do that? What does Christ have? What possessions does Christ have? Consider the resources of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the eternal God. In him is life, in him is light, in him is love. And he is perfectly suited to answer our deepest need. That The deepest need of the human heart is that we are born in sin and we belong to the realm of death. And our sin shuts us off from love and light and life. And so the Son of God came and he added to himself a human nature just like ours but without sin. So that he might lay down his life on behalf of us. So that he might give himself to death on behalf of us. So that he might answer for our sins. And so that by his blood, full and free forgiveness might flow to us. Now Jesus Christ, he sees us in our need. He sees us in the the pit of our own trouble, of our own making. And he comes to us. And he makes himself perfectly suited to answer every need that we have. And, And he does it with an abundance of pity. You see that word pity that John uses here? It's the word for guts. It's the word for the, the, the tender affections. The, the tender affections are stirred in the soul of Christ and they're turned towards you. That's why he laid down his life. He saw us in our need and he had pity. Now Jesus Christ doesn't love merely with words or speech. He loves you with deeds and in truth. And we should think often about this love of Christ. He loves us. He loves you. He doesn't love you helplessly. He doesn't kind of see you in your need, but can't do anything about it. No, he sees you in your need, and he does everything needed to bring you to God. He doesn't love you begrudgingly. He's not a grumpy lover. He's not reluctant. His heart aches for you, longs for you, yearns for you. His compassions are stirred up for you. And the lesson is that we should love like Christ. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's the kind of love we ought to see in a church family. It's a laying down my life sort of love. And what that means, you see, John spells it out. He says, if we have material possessions and we see a brother or sister in need. He says, we're to look at our brothers and sisters and understand their need. We're to see their circumstances. And think about whether we might have something in our resources given to help them. Now God doesn't ask us to do what we haven't got. But if we see a need, if we see a need and we haven't got the resources to help, we can't do anything. If we've got the resources and we don't see the need, we can't help. But the key thing is compassion. John says if someone has the resources and sees the need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See, it really lands on that question, am I my brother's keeper? Do we feel that connection to other believers? 
or do we shut up our compassion away from them? Uh, I, I enjoy watching a sitcom called Parks and Recreation. Um, it's, um, this is a confession time. It's based on a kind of small local government office in a, a little town in America. And what, one of the characters is called Ron Swanson. He's brilliant, um, but he's not to be copied in any way, shape, or form. He's super grumpy. And, and he says he doesn't have friends at work. He has workplace associates. And, and even he, he deliberately calls people by the wrong name so they don't get too friendly. What is our attitude to people at Kingfisher? Church place associates? Do we consciously or subconsciously do things just to keep people at a safe distance? We wouldn't want them to know our needs, would we? We're not too interested in knowing theirs. That won't do, will it? Am I my brother and sister's keeper? Yes, you are. We are. We're to see the needs and seek to provide for them. We're to lay down our lives. It's going to cost us. No, if we're not losing in love, we're not loving like Christ. We have been bound together into a family, whether we like it or not. No, together, all who trust in Christ are the children of God, and we are to love like Christ. And if our church is not a loving family, it's just not a church. So we are to learn these lessons of love. We are to love like family. We shouldn't love like Cain. We should love like Christ. And I hope at this point it feels like a steep hill to climb. It's difficult, isn't it? Well, the fourth lesson, we should not give up. Listen to verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Are we to love one another? And it's hard. So hard. We get it wrong. We get it wrong all the time. We, we, we ignore, we look over the needs of those around us. We keep people at a distance. We close up our hearts. We, we hoard our resources away. Times when, when we just don't care. That's the truth, isn't it? Times when we, we, we try, but we get it wrong, and we, we mess up. We seem to make it worse. And, and in these times, our hearts can condemn us. Sometimes our hearts condemn us rightly. Sometimes our hearts condemn us falsely. But it just feels like too much. John says, when that happens, when our hearts condemn us, don't turn inwardly, turn outward. Turn toward God because he is greater than our hearts. Our hearts may condemn us for all kinds of reasons. But what does God say? That's the question. We heard it earlier, chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. See, whatever's going on in our hearts, wherever our hearts are saying to us, God says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what God says is more important than what our hearts say. And he knows all things. He understands us better than our hearts do. He knows the truth and we can trust him. Now, learning to love like Christ is a hard road. It's a carrying our cross road. So let's not give up. Let's listen to what God says more than what our hearts say. And, and then John says, verse 21, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us because we trust what God tells us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. See, when we wrestle with the challenge to love one another, we can pray about it. That's what John's saying. Whatever we ask, we will receive. Why? Because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. 
Now, God loves to give requests in keeping with his commands. Well, what does he command? Well, John tells us that we believe on the name of Jesus. That's what he commands, that we trust Jesus. We trust the person and the work of Jesus for everything. And he also commands that we love one another. We believe on Jesus and we love one another. So when we ask God for those things, when we ask God to help us keep believing, when we say to God, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Make me believe more. Make me trust more fully on the work of Christ. Make me know his love more deeply in the depth of my soul. Make me know more of that great compassion he has toward me. Help me not to ever doubt him. Make me believe. And then when we ask God to help us love one another, love one another like a family, not like Cain, but like Christ. When we ask God to come and to change our attitude towards one another so that we do have that deep family bond that we should have and we do take that responsibility towards one another. And when we ask that our love wouldn't just be in talk but with actions and truth. Our God loves to answer prayers like that. So let's pray like it. If our church is not a loving family, it's not a church. So we need to learn the lessons of love that we should love like family. We should not love like Cain. We should love like Christ and we should not give up. But we should trust what God says more than what our hearts feel. And pray that we will trust Jesus and love one another. So let's do that now. Let's ask for God's help. Our God in heaven, we praise you for your great love for us in the Lord Jesus. We praise you for that astonishing love. That that he, that the Lord Jesus Christ, in all of his perfections and wonder, would lay down his life for us. Lord, may we see more of that love. May we be fixed more upon it. May we be reminded of it. May we remind one another more of the the wonders of your love for us in Jesus. May we we constantly, moment by moment, know that, that you have lavished your love on us in the Lord Jesus, that we might be called your children, and that is what we are. Please, would you help us to trust what you say, and to trust what you say more than what our hearts feel more than what our hearts say to us. Help us to come back to your word and to trust your promises. And please, would you help us to love one another? Because you have loved us, help us to love one another. Help us not to be like Cain, but to be like Christ in our love. Help us to see each other's needs, to care for each other, not to just talk about it, but to do it. Please help us, we ask. Amen.